The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, December 8th. I'm Terry Arango with my guests, Dr. Larry Malerba and Heather Walker. Dr. Larry Malerba has been a practitioner, educator, and leader in the field of holistic medicine for over 20 years. He is author of numerous articles in homeopathic and holistic journals and his new book, Green Medicine, Challenging the Assumptions of Conventional Healthcare will be published summer 2010. Dr. Malerba is a clinical assistant professor at New York Medical College, is board certified in homeotherapeutics, and is a frequent lecturer at Albany Medical College, Albany College of Pharmacy, and the SUNY Utica Nursing Program. He has held positions as president, vice president, and board member of various conventional and homeopathic organizations. Dr. Malerba runs the Gilderland Homeopathic Clinic. Heather Walker is a chocolatier and the mother of two children and is moving her son, Mecky, forward on the road of recovery. Thank you both for joining us. Hi, Terry. Nice to be with you. Hi, Terry. Well, let's start with you, Dr. Malerba. What do you think autism is? How do you feel about the diagnostic labels on the autism spectrum, and how do you think this impacts treatment plans? Uh, Well, I think that the... The diagnostic labels are uh, sort of a, a man-made uh, creation of, of, of the scientific mind, and in reality, each individual child is a completely different uh, example of an illness that uh, conventional medicine attempts to categorize into uh, these sort of predetermined groups. and. The problem with with that is that we get stuck in boxes and and it's hard to think outside of the box, um, both in terms of diagnosis and treatment. Um, When it comes to uh, treatment, I think because the treatments for autism uh, provided by the conventional medical community are so limited, the um, tendency is to focus more on diagnosis rather than on treatment. Mm. Do you think it's kind of like if you can't cure it, classify it? Right, and that's very common in in medicine in general, you know, uh, and that's how the whole system operates. The entire medical industrial complex functions based upon a, a physician providing a diagnostic code number, which essentially labels and categorizes a patient and their condition. And that's how in, in, uh, insurance pays out based upon these code numbers, 
which is kind of this very artificial, abstract way of approaching disease that has very little to do with each individual case, in this case, each individual case of autism or, or, uh, or the uh, disorder on the spectrum of autism disorders, you know. So. How do these conditions that are on the spectrum, that are classified on the spectrum, how do they manifest themselves insofar as either too much or too little inhibition? Right. Well, I like to think of it because of my experience that I see in my office. Um, it strikes me that these there are no distinct categories, and that there is a long spectrum of disorders that range from uh, on the one end that we're used to thinking of autism as a uh, condition of of inhibition, where the uh, the child uh, turns inward and and ceases to function intellectually or socially. Uh, um, that's one end of the spectrum, and then all the way over on the other side of the spectrum uh, is more of an uh, um, the area of excess of excessive um, expression of being unable to control one's expressions and and not have the normal filters. And so that on that end of the spectrum are more like the attention deficit disorder uh, conditions. And, and even within attention deficit disorder, there's lots of children who, uh, when I see a, a child in an attempt to try and uh, ascertain the nature of this individual child's problem, I'm looking at, is this kid who's been diagnosed with ADD or some variant, are they on the, are they more inhibited or are they more uh, overly expressive, running around the room and, room and screaming and yelling and, and unable to stop talking, or are they extremely inhibited? And the, that's just a milder version of the uh, possibility that you can see with autism, a full-blown case of autism. Well, well, what's caused the epidemic of these conditions with autism at 1 in 91, developmental learning and behavior problems at one in six, and some experts saying that one American child in every three is somehow affected by something. Right, yes. There certainly seems to be an explosion of these kids with these types of problems, autistic spectrum problems and attention deficit problems. They're, they're just, there's tons of them now. And uh, in, in my opinion, the main cause is really the form of treatment of conventional medicine, which has a tendency to suppress symptoms, thereby generating more complicated illnesses. And in the specific case of autism and the specific case of regressive autism disorders, uh, by far and away the, the clear uh, culprit in this is, is vaccinations. And um, it's it's very clear to me that there are children who are developing relatively normally, having relatively few health problems, the run-of-the-mill stuff that the average kid gets, a fever here, uh, an ear infection there, a cold there, and then all of a sudden, within hours to days, within having been vaccinated, starts to regress and completely changes, uh, which completely changes the nature of their health almost overnight, and that... Clearly, we have to say that the vaccines are playing a very important role in this. Is that is that why it's important to differentiate regressive autism spectrum disorders 
versus cases that have developed from birth? Definitely, because I think the cases that have developed from birth are much more complex, uh, much more uh, multifactorial. Um, they tend to be a little tougher to treat, homeopathically speaking, in my experience. Um, and the cases that are um, regressive, where, where, again, they were developing normally and then suddenly had a turn for the worse, you know that the child was well and that the potential for recovery is there and in and in my homeopathic experience that that is the case that there's a, a good possibility knowing that the, the the particular vaccine that caused the problem uh is an added bonus that helps uh in the treatment uh, of turning these kids around how does the rigidity of conventional medicine preclude mitigating the causes of the epidemic and also preclude seeking effective therapeutic options? Well, I think, you know, in general, understandably, conventional physicians go through a certain type of training. They're taught certain things. Um, it's not, you know, having been through medical training myself, it's not an environment that encourages uh, creative thinking. It's more you are fed the... Uh, the the basic assumptions of the conventional medical paradigm and taught about uh, a certain way of looking at things and that's how doctors tend to to look at the world that once they've done that they tend not to go back and reconsider and reassess the things that they've learned uh there's a strong tendency to fall into line with the uh the party way of thinking so to speak and so it's very hard to break out, out, break out of that box um, when we are taught that uh, vaccines in general are good and healthy and generally don't cause problems and everybody should get them and we shouldn't question them. And so it becomes very difficult to uh, rethink that, especially when patients come in and say, well, gee, doctor, after I had that vaccination, my health took a turn for the worse or my child's health took a turn for the worse. Um, and it, it, it becomes difficult to break through that barrier. Yeah, and the logic there, the response you get is basically, it can't be that because it can't be that. Exactly. There are a number of, you know, I tend to look at it as a form of uh, medical fundamentalism. There's sort of this... Dogmatic belief in what our studies tell us and what our training has told us, and therefore that's the way it has to be. And there are a variety of, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them tactics, but they're, they're methods of dealing with uh, people that they have learned. Uh, when someone brings in a problem that challenges the way that they normally think. So one of those ways is to say that, well, there's just no conclusive evidence. Uh, I take that and I translate it into meaning that, uh, well, uh, I see it before my very eyes, you see it before my very eyes, but now prove it to me, as if to say there has to be some scientific study that proves that as if to say that your first-hand experience of taking your child to the, to the doctor, having him vaccinated, and then watching him regress over the next 48 hours, 
that experience does not count, and we call that, therefore, uh, anecdotal evidence, as if to say it is less important evidence than uh, the evidence that we find in our scientific studies and our in our placebo-controlled double-blinded studies, and we trust the studies and the numbers and the statistics more than real live first-hand experience. And that, to me, is a significant problem in the practice of modern medicine. It has become increasingly um, detached, dissociated from the reality of the patient sitting before the doctor because we're more occupied with abstract statistical analyses and studies as our primary form of evidence. Mm-hmm. Especially since studies are made up of uh, real people anyway, why, uh, why not respect the real people to whom these things are happening, even Absolutely. if they're not in a study? Right. I agree. Uh, it's, it's as if we have been trained not to trust our own personal experiences and and that becomes for the patient um, a difficult experience when when facing the doctor who uh, is paying less attention to your own experience of your own symptoms and if you if, uh, you know it's easy to say doc I feel this and I feel that but they don't necessarily put as much credence in that as they do, the, for example, the blood test that they take later on, you know, so there's sort of this detachment from the reality of the patient that needs to be, we need to bridge that gap and we need to find a way that includes both. We need to find a way to uh, tune into our patients again. And and again, in the case of vaccines, it would be quite simple to tune into the obvious evidence and say, well, gee, uh, Yesterday I saw your child and he was fine, and today he's he's behaving very strangely, and the only thing that changed in between was that vaccine we gave him yesterday. So therefore, uh, there's an obvious something going on here that we need to pay attention to, and uh-huh. we need to investigate. You know? That's right. And when we come back from break, we're going to hear what happened to Heather Walker's son, Mecky. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on 
the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten, and Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Heather Walker and Dr. Larry Malerba. And before the break, we were talking about uh, the value of looking at the actual patient and uh, observing and hearing what happened to that actual patient. Let's talk about your son, Mecky. Heather, can you please tell us about your son's history up until he was three years old? Sure. Mecky, um, I had, I, first I'll start off by saying that I had a relatively uh, normal pregnancy. Uh, Mecky was born a uh, very strong 10-pound baby boy with uh, an APGAR, scar, APGAR score of 9.5. Um, and was a normally developing baby and child. He um, he rolled over and creeped and stood up all on um, all at all of his developmental milestones. Um, Mackey was able to recite uh, numbers in English and and um, also in one through ten in the Arabic language, uh, which his father is of um, an Arabic. Um, descent, uh, Muslim descent. So he was able to count in one to, one to ten by age two. Um, Mecky also went to a developmentally um, normal preschool up until age three, um, where there was no concerns on their part or mine. Uh, he was doing very well in the program, excelling. He knew his ABCs and um, was able to count and color and play and interacted with children and um, everything normal. Um, that that happens up until three years old was was able to identify all of his shapes and colors and able to sing with the class and um, he loved to sing he loved to sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and he loved books and enjoyed them and was able to sit um, throughout reading a book to uh, to him um, and um, he 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 was he he ate normally he was. Um, everything was was very, I guess, normal with him. So it sounds like you had a developmentally normal child up until three years old. Sure, yes. And then what happened to his health and skills? Um, at three years old, uh, he went for his three-year-old well visit, and there was no concerns at that time uh, when the doctor checked him for his three-year-old visit. Um, he said that there were, he was he was meeting all of his milestones uh, per the regular um, sheet that the pediatrician uh, gives, and I had no concerns at that point either. Um, he was given a round of vaccinations, including the DTP, and um, Mecky spiked a fever that evening um, and had a mild rash on his legs. Um, 
and then a few, it was probably like, if I'm not mistaken, about a week later, Mackie developed an ear infection, and I brought him back to the pediatrician, and Mackie was treated with a round of antibiotic, and um, the ear infection went away. It was in just one ear at that point. Um, and then I returned about three, four, it was about three months later, and I was um, suggested by the pediatrician to have a flu vaccination, and I consented to have him getting the flu vaccination. And then Mecky developed another ear infection very shortly after the flu, um, the flu vaccination, uh, in the other ear this time. And it, 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 which went into both ears. It was, it was bilateral at that point. Uh, and reoccurring ear infections kept happening throughout the next four months. Uh, it seemed like Mecky was constantly on antibiotic. It, it, I would say he had multiple rounds of antibiotic within a very short, um, period of time. And, um, something really odd started happening. His bowel movements were, were, were very bad. Um, he was not eating properly. He was he was he was not able to um, eat the things that we once had for dinner, um, such as salad or or um, a, any kind of normal food. Chicken at that point, baked chicken, fried chicken, whatever we would eat. He 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 was not able to keep down. He basically just wanted anything with um, bread or or wheat um, and, and pasta, and he he would not even touch soup. Uh, so he was he was not eating properly, and his belly started to really um, become very large and bloated. Um, at this point, Mackie was speaking normally up until three years old, and his language began to regress. Um, probably about three months after the flu shot, and he was down to very limited language. And when he would try to speak, a, a, a garbled mess of sounds would would come out of his mouth, and he was unable to communicate. Uh, verbally with with uh, with my family anymore, or even mentioned if he wanted something, he wasn't able to uh, communicate that to us either. Did he have any self injurious behaviors or any aggressive behaviors or? Um, well, the behaviors um, started around the same time, about three months after the flu shot. It's he started um, twirling in circles. Um, he started lining his his toys up. Um, he would start uh, running and humming in a straight line uh, as a, as a stimming behavior, and that that progressively got worse. Uh, the stimming behavior was was constant, and then I would notice Mackie would stare into space. Uh, I would clap my hands in front of him, and he would not flinch. He was like in this zombie state. Um, and it, it, this is what happened, either stemming or this zombie state. And very frequently, maybe a few seconds in between, he was able to do something else, um, maybe walk around or line the toys up or, or whatever, but his, his attention span was, was, was not there. He, he did not communicate. He was running all over the place. He would get out of the house, running down the street, um, would not listen, uh, would not respond to his name, would not respond to any type of communication or or action. Was unable to say hello anymore at this point to anyone. Um, it was just he he was in his own world. It was truly a different child that I had on my hands. So up until three years old, Mecky was a developmentally normal child. Then he had these vaccines, and he lost all language. His gross motor ability decreased. He 
regressed in toileting skills. Uh, he had seizures. He couldn't concentrate. He had uh, self-stimulatory behaviors. Uh, does, yes. does that about sum it up? Yes, that sums it up very well. <laughs> so what did people say his regression actually was? He went from a three-year-old level to... To an 18-month-old level. And um, what people would say was that uh, this this is what autism is. It, it, it develops at uh, between the ages of two and three, and um, this is this is what he was diagnosed with. He was initially diagnosed with PDD-NOS um, at uh, four years old, and then <clears throat> it was getting worse. Six months later, he was diagnosed with severe autism. I'm sorry. How old was he when you took him to Dr. Malerba? Mackie was I, five years and four months, I believe. It might have been five years, five months. I, um, but a little over five years, about five and a half. And um, there has been some amazing changes uh, with Mackie's treatments with Dr. Malerba and, and the homeopathy. Let's let's move on to that for a moment. Dr. Malerba, please tell us very generally about what homeopathy is, how it works, how it's individualized, and any details about safety and efficacy. Sure, sure. Um, homeopathy uh, works by what we call the, the principle of similars. Um, it's this type of paradoxical effect that one would expect from uh, the types of treatments that we offer. So, for example, um, Someone who had a uh, a case of uh, herpes, for example, where there is a lot of blistering, or someone who had shingles, for example, who has a lot of blistering and itching, um, we might offer them a homeopathic preparation made from poison ivy in order to treat those conditions that have symptoms similar to poison ivy. So the symptom pattern of the illness is matched up with the symptom pattern of a given substance and the two are brought together. And instead of uh, what one might expect, that, gee, that might make it worse, you actually get this sort of paradoxical effect, which is not uh, all that different from the conventional use of uh, Ritalin to treat hyperactive children. You're giving a uh, a central nervous system stimulant to a hyperactive child, and yet you get this paradoxical effect. The difference is that you don't give the same thing to everybody. You have to individualize each and every single case, and so therefore, uh, ten or ten different autistic children, uh, you might prescribe ten different things based upon the very specific, detailed, unique symptom patterns of each individual. The um, you know, homeopathy has a long history. It's been around for 200 years. There were there were 100 homeopathic hospitals in the United States. There were 22 homeopathic medical schools in the United States. Many of those later converted and became conventional medical schools. Uh, the FDA uh, has approved and regulates all the homeopathic medicines that we use, and they have been uh, regulated as such since the inception of the FDA. Okay, and we'll pick up with this when we come back from break. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. 
We'll be right back with Dr. Malerba and Heather. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart, the program that takes you on a journey through grief after the death of a child. Join Dr. Gloria Horsley, marriage and family therapist and bereaved parent, while she interviews and discusses with other bereaved parents and siblings how they have coped with the death of a child and gone on to create and realize new dreams. So tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart with Dr. Gloria Horsley, right here on Voice America Health & Wellness. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Dr. Larry Malerba and Heather Walker talking about some amazing results with homeopathy used for a vaccine-injured child who was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And before the break, Dr. Malerba, you were making a point about how uh, homeopathic medicine is regulated by the FDA. It's been around for 200 years, uh, 100, uh, I think you said 100, was it hospitals and 22 colleges in the United States before they switched over to conventional medicine, so uh, a long history of efficacy and and safety and individualized. You have to actually examine the patient, listen to the patient. How did you assess Heather's son, Mecky? How did you begin? And I just want to remind listeners that this will be specific to this child, so you should consult with the experienced practitioner who oversees your child's medical care for what will be helpful in his or her case. So, Dr. Malerba? Yeah, that's a good point because it's it's common and understandable that people will say, oh, gee, you use this particular remedy for this child with autism, and they say, 
well, gee, can I get some of that? And, and truthfully, you need to be able to individualize each and every case before you can determine what needs to be given. Um, in Mickey's case, uh, I, I sat with Heather for quite a long time, and we uh, talked about Mickey's history and all of the details of his life while he uh, ran back and forth across my room, stimming um, and making uh, loud noises and humming. Um, and so I was able to get the history and observe him simultaneously. And in homeopathy, it's all the little details that one wouldn't normally think of in, in conventional uh, in conventional ways of thinking uh, that that may be useful in finding a homeopathic remedy for somebody. So I was asking questions about Mickey's um, his sleep patterns, uh, the times of his sleep, the position he sleeps in, uh, his food patterns, his food preferences. What does he what does he desire? What does he crave? What does he like? What does he dislike? Uh, his temperature reactions. Is he a, is he a warm-blooded kid? Is he a cold kid? Does he have cold hands or cold feet? Or is he oblivious to the temperature? Or does he tolerate the heat well but not the cold or vice versa? And so on and so forth. In addition to that, you, you uh, find out information about the behaviors, the the emotional traits of a person, the fears that someone may have, uh, in addition to their symptoms. In Mecky's case, there was a distinct uh, tendency to get this uh, peculiar cough that was sort of like a croupy cough, sort of like a, uh, a whooping cough, um, and that provided me with, and in addition to the, just the simple history that he had deteriorated so badly after being vaccinated, that was the the important information that led me to choose several different remedies that we gave to Mecky over uh, months of time, starting with one remedy at a time, one homeopathic medicine at a time. Uh, those three in particular for him were uh, a remedy called uh, pertussin, which is actually made from uh, pertussis. Another homeopathic remedy called uh, drosera, which is um, one of the main specific treatments for the whooping cough when you see a case of the whooping cough. Uh, and another homeopathic medicine called carcinosin. So we alternated those three, and starting right from the very beginning, uh, we started to see very positive changes uh, as as Heather uh, reported that within within a day or two he started to speak a lot more than he previously had. He had deteriorated down to being only able to say a handful of words and suddenly he began stringing words together in partial sentences um, and so right away we started to see these positive changes. Excellent. Heather, from your perspective, what did you see? What improvements did Mecky experience? And Really importantly, was this the only intervention you were using at the time? Yes, and this is the only intervention I have used now for 20 months is classical homeopathic um, remedies from Dr. Malerba. Um, I have not initiated gluten-free, casein-free diet. Um, I have limited dyes and went on a more natural and organic diet, but um, not a specific uh, type of diet. Uh, basically eliminating toxins as much as, as possible, but only homeopathic remedies. 
and the biggest changes I've seen with Mackey, my main concern was, was the pettit moth seizures and the stemming. Um, that, that was my, my main focus. And uh, Mackey's pettit moth seizures were completely gone um, after eight months of treatment. And that was the biggest um, thing I was worried about because he just couldn't concentrate. He couldn't focus. He couldn't, he couldn't do anything when he was in this stare constantly. Um, and he was diagnosed with pettit mal seizures um, by, the, by the pediatric um, neuropsych. <clears throat> so um, that was the biggest thing, as well as the stimming. Um, the stimming, you know, he still, he still stems nowhere near as much as before. Um, it's it's much more manageable where Mecky can focus now, and um, he's really made some some extreme extreme gains in the past four months on the stimming situation. He's he's really um, coming right down. Is he doing other things like drawing and? Yes, he he is coloring. He does have his tripod grasp, which which I am so happy that he has. Um, he is coloring. We, we are beginning uh, writing right now with him, um, and he, um, he, he's, he knows his colors. He's able to verbalize. He's able to speak again. Um, he can tell me he loves me. He's a very affectionate child. Uh, I'm, I'm very uh, grateful for that, um, and he, he, he can answer questions um, in, in sentences now. It's not either yes or no or when he could get it out of, of his mouth to, to verbalize. Um, he's he's back to speaking in one through ten in Arabic, and he can wrote count to fifty in English. Um, he is he's answering questions on on what did you eat for lunch today, and um, you know what did you do today at school? Did you go swimming? Did you go to the gym? He can answer he can answer uh, questions. He's asking um, he, the attention span for stories. He's actually requesting. Um, which story he would like to have read for the evening, and then we discuss the story and, and um, answer, you know, who, what, where questions. And, um, and he's, he's calmer? Oh, much more calm, much more calm. He's you also calm. having meltdowns, Heather, right? There were... uh, oh, yes. Oh, gosh, the meltdowns were terrible. I, I, that's one thing I didn't, I failed to mention. Um, the, the meltdowns were, were, were awful. Um, there, there has not been a meltdown in probably eight months at least um, and, and if there is if there there might have been one I'm not sure but it, no more meltdowns so what was the meltdown where I'm restraining him on the sidewalk no the meltdowns are gone that's wonderful and I think a lot of parents will really appreciate knowing that this remedy to seizures yes that's very significant yes <clears throat> well tell us about the night he woke up with that loud cough Mecky um, had, as Dr. Malerba stated, he had this very dry, barky cough, um, and it would it wouldn't go away. Actually, it, when he was at his worst point, um, he had just been diagnosed. So he, he missed 45 days of school in a five-month period, um, which ceased me to be able to work. So uh, that was another concern of mine when it, when this dry, barky cough started coming up, and that was only maybe two months. Or I, I'm not quite sure how many months into the treatment that that this came up again. Um, we went. I, I told Dr. Malarva, "Look, this, this is the same cough. Here it is again. You know, is there anything that you can give him?" We did give him a, um, a dose of pertussin, and Mecky was sleeping that night. And about two o'clock in the morning, he just kind of sat up and had this deep, dark cough bark. It was like real loud. 
just this one sole thing and then went back to sleep. And ever since then, we haven't really had that that bout of, of that deep, deep cough. He, he will still get some 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 different variations of of uh, of um, when he has a cold or or congestion, um, but we did give him a, a dose of pertussin, and it it whatever that deep bark cough was, it, it really kind of cleared it up. Yeah, Doctor Malerva, is that kind of like it being purged out of his system or something? Yes, it's 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 very common to see when you prescribe a, a homeopathic medicine correctly and when it fits just right it's very common to see this sort of what you know what we know in alternative circles as the sort of healing crisis concept where some symptom or set of symptoms momentarily or temporarily flares up uh, followed by uh, a generalized improvement in the overall health of the person so that's a a very common phenomenon, and when someone reports it, I'm usually quite pleased because it it makes me feel like we're we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. And then Heather, what describe for us a moment of when did you feel like the most jubilation? Was there something remarkable that Mecky did where you were just over just so overjoyed, indescribably overjoyed? The 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 most um it, there's there's been so many but <laughs> the most memorable and the most i guess biggest turning point was when he was um playing and it just started speaking the arabic numbers again um i i, I don't speak arabic here and his his father's not in the pictures since the age of 2 um but he did remember that from when he was at that age before the regression of 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 his language skills, and that was we're going from two years old because it was never really recited after then until uh it was probably a little over six years old uh, when when he began to so I knew the 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 information was never lost. he was able to recite those numbers, and that was really a turning point for me when I said, "My God, my son is coming back um and he was able to recite those numbers again by himself with no initiation or prompting. That is really wonderful. It was always there. Yes. And, and much credit to Heather for being so persistent in advocating for her son. It's been it's been very nice to see how she's fiercely uh, done everything it requires to get her son's health back again. Well, just so everyone... Oh, there, we're going to break. We will be right back at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thanks to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on 
the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten, and Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. You've read the books, listened to the CDs, and gone to the workshops to learn spirituality. Now there's a way to help you live it every single day. The Spiritual Workout with Stephen Morrison. Call with any issue at all and Stephen will passionately help you see which of 15 universally spiritual concepts apply to your circumstance and how. Practice every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Spiritual Workout on 7th Wave Network. It's a practical path to a happier, more peaceful, and richer life experience. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Dr. Larry Malerba and Heather Walker, and we've just heard the wonderful and significant improvements that Heather's son, Mackie, made using homeopathy, such as his seizures going away and his speech coming back and all sorts of really wonderful things. And Dr. Malerba, just so people, you know, out there, maybe some some skeptics out there are listening, let's... Uh, uh, satisfy them that we're fair and balanced here. Did do you use any conventional medicine with your f- family or in your practice? Uh, sure, of course. Uh, I, I mean, I went through conventional medical training. I did my residency training, um, and I use conventional medicine when I s- see it is necessary in my own practice. I have uh, two family members who wouldn't be alive today without. Uh, their insulin, and uh, you know, uh, so certainly we, I use uh, conventional medicine in my practice when I think it's important, um, especially in terms of diagnostics. I find conventional medicine to be very important, uh, and occasionally uh, we may need to prescribe a, a drug, and certainly it, uh, I do my share of referring my patients out to other conventional physicians and specialists when I think it's necessary, and so uh, we try to use the best of all medical worlds. Mm-hmm. Just not an over-reliance on stuff like antibiotics or steroids or things like that? No, I mean, certainly the majority of my patients are coming to me are trying to get away from using those things, and we do the best that we can. Sometimes it is uh, we can accomplish it. Sometimes we can't accomplish it. We don't always achieve our goals in ideal form, but uh, I would say that the majority of people do come away come away feeling healthier and less dependent upon uh, pharmaceutical drugs for their conditions. You know? well, 
this has certainly helped Mecky and um, what what an improvement. I think a lot of parents will be really encouraged to hear that the meltdowns went away, the seizures went away, the language improved and so many other things and, and again uh, emphasizing that this is the these are the only remedies that Heather used, the only uh, biomedical intervention that Heather used, correct Heather? Correct. Well, let's talk about your book, Dr. Malerba. Sure. Um, I had always intended to write a book. I was just waiting for it to percolate into something in my head that I finally wanted to, to talk about, and I did. And the book's called Green Medicine, and it's essentially a, a, an overview of the way we think about medicine. It's it's a it describes the the flaws that I perceive, in my opinion, the flaws that the in conventional medical thinking, the flaws in the conventional medical perspective, and the flawed outcomes that they can lead to. And it offers uh, an alternative perspective in the way we think about these things. Uh, for example, um, just the very concept of uh, suppression is a very important one that I think most people don't really think in terms of, and that, t- t- from my perspective, that means that uh, many pharmaceuticals have a sort of temporary effect in the in the sense that they can suppress symptoms, and that would be fine and dandy if that's all they did. But in reality, when you suppress symptoms, um, you're lucky enough that when you stop the drug, that if the symptoms come back again, but if they don't, that usually means that they have been more thoroughly suppressed, and when that happens, we become concerned about where did those symptoms go, and usually that means that somewhere down the road, this is going to lead to a complication in the person's health, a deeper problem or a more complicated health problem, um, and that that's what can happen when you use suppressive treatments. The alternative perspective that the book offers is about a new way of looking at things that includes uh, looking at our patients uh, not just as physical health entities that require physical interventions for their physical symptoms. Uh, there's way too much of an emphasis in conventional medicine towards the material, and so we need to start thinking in terms of uh, body, mind, emotion, spirit, energy, environment, as if it is one whole thing, which is exactly what it is, and that you cannot treat someone's physical symptoms without, it, by in a suppressive manner, you can't treat them without expecting the possibility of a worsening on the emotional level or the spiritual level. And so these are very important concepts to look at. That, uh, And I think what's happening is you're seeing... Uh, a shift in the paradigm away from this sort of conventional medical construct that focuses heavily on the physical body and all of these people out there and all these practitioners who are doing all sorts of alternative healing methods are are uh, working on this other paradigm where we're taking into account the whole person. And that's not just something that... We say it's not just lip service, it's, it's a reality, the reality of what happens when we treat only physical symptoms and don't pay attention to the rest of the person. So a simple example is someone could have arthritis 
Uh, you treat them with a conventional uh, non-steroidal drug, and next thing you know, they say, well, gee, my arthritis is better, but for some strange reason, I feel depressed. Mm -hmm. And so in that case, you have an example of you suppressed one thing, and you generated another thing. You suppressed the arthritis, and you generated depression. Mm -hmm. And that's very important. To, we need to look at the big picture, not just the little details of the symptoms. Right. Good point. And, Heather, there are some new things going on in the world that I know you're very concerned about right now. Yes, yes. Um, concerning vaccinations, um, there's currently, um, <clears throat> we're in round three of stop the, the H1N1 shot. Um, round one w was, this is going, actually I should explain, this is on a federal lawsuit that's being um, handled by uh, attorney Ralph Pusatola and, and a team of other attorneys. And um, this will be basically uh, going against the Health and Human Services, the FDA, uh, Salibus, and the Department of Health and Human Services for approving, um, they're, they're challenging the ownership approval recommendation and distribution of the H1N1 vaccination. Um, uh, I'm, I'm also a plaintiff on that case since I was affected here in New York as a healthcare, healthcare student. Um, that, there's, that there's things going on around the country where private facilities are now um, mandating them, especially if they're not unionized, um, they're mandating their employees and healthcare workers to be vaccinated, um, and there's a particular case going on right now in Children's Hospital in Philadelphia, um, and I think we all know that that's where Dr. Offit is, is out of. Um, they fired five employees uh, for not complying. They, they all refused the standard flu vaccination, and this happened on Sunday, um, and they all cited religious beliefs and um, they, their religious beliefs were denied after sincerity testing uh, or hearing. And um, sincerity testing? <laughs> yes. That sounds like something out of 1984. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it was up to the, I guess, hospital administration to uh, decide who who was religiously um, sound that they could give the religious uh, waiver to and who wasn't. But there's five employees that they have fired. Uh, based on, on their uh, spiritual belief system. And um, it looks as if their union will be um, litigating, which is the um, District 1199C of the ho Hospital and Healthcare Employees Union. Well, Heather, I, I hope we hear more from you in the future, keeping us up to date on these, on these issues. Well, I want to thank you both. This was a really wonderful story full of hope today. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Terry. Appreciate it. To our listeners, Dr. Malerba and Heather both have articles coming up in the January issue of the Autism File magazine. Please visit www.autismfile.com. Dr. Malerba's website address is www.docmalerba.com. That's docmalerba.com. At the Autism One Generation Rescue 2010 Conference, May 24th to 30th, there will be a half-day homeopathy seminar on the Wednesday, May 26th, as well as homeopathy presentations on Friday and Saturday among the 140 speakers at this conference. Please visit www.autismone.org where details will be posted later this month. 
My guest next week will be Dad, Daniel Fiala, who is moving his son forward on the road of recovery. For questions about this program, please email me at taranga at autismone.org. Thank you to this program's sponsor, Enzymedica, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program. Brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.